2: What's up, everyone? How you guys doing? Welcome to the show. We got a big one tonight. We have Mooch is going to be coming on from Mooch with M Mon- or John Mondays or something. I probably fucked that up because I'm hooked on phonics jerk off right now. Uh, we're going to be going over these transcripts from the trial with the Mongols. It was uh, United States v. Mongols, where they had a motion to vacate. As you all know, there has been a lot of controversy surrounding this stuff. And what I wanted to do in this show was, because you guys are used to getting my viewpoints on this subject, I wanted to bring somebody else that has a different perspective for this other side of the story because it's really important to me that you guys get both sides of the story instead of just mine or somebody else's. Now I already understand nothing that probably either one of us are going to say is going to convince those that already have their hardcore opinion, but it is necessary to do the story right. In my opinion, this is going to be the first of two shows today's show. We're going to go over the closing arguments for this case And then the next show, we're going to go over the decision. And you'll notice that we're not using news articles for this one. We're using the actual transcripts. So let's welcome into the show our guest. We have Mooch. I screwed that up, didn't I, man? Mooch, uh, Mooch. Mondays with Mooch.
1: Mondays with Mooch.
2: Mondays with Mooch. And then we have... Black Dragon moderating uh, this discussion to my moderators in the chat room. I would like if anybody starts talking about Mooch's old club, I want it hidden. I do not want that out there. I do not want any dis- uh, disparaging comments made towards any clubs in this chat room. This is going to be a professional show, a professional uh, type of discussion so keep it that way uh if you want to follow along in the uh description box you can download the briefs that me and mooch will be going over and talking about and all that kind of stuff bd it's yours man
0: all right you guys um you guys are of uh Agreed to a certain few rules, so you're going to uh, have a discussion and uh, keep it civil. We'll uh, start with you, Mooch. Mooch, you got uh, three minutes to uh, lay out your initial argument. All right,
1: uh, cool. Well, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Like I said, we're going to give a little uh, outside perspective here, a little different perspective. I know uh, a lot of you that know me know that I probably have some personal and emotional ties to this case. And because of that, I haven't spoken out on behalf of this case or about this case until there was a ruling made. Um, You know, I believe the whole time that this was an internal issue that should have stayed within the club, but bringing it to court uh, brought it to the public. and, And I decided that it was best to let this judge rule before we talked about it. So that's what we're doing here. Um, You know, I really want to make sure that everyone knows that this isn't about anyone's status in a club. It's not about choices that Dave made as an individual or as president. It's not even about the kind of person that that Dave is. You know, this is about a man being labeled a rat without paperwork, proof or evidence. Um, You know, it shows about how rumors and conspiracy theories quickly spread, you know, uh, put a man's life at danger and ruin his reputation. And I want everyone to remember that, you know, on the street and in the prison system, you can't call a man a rat without paperwork but the internet plays by different rules. People can say what they want, you know, um, speculation and hearsay, you know, get spread pretty quickly and people make their own decisions. But in this case, my argument is gonna be boiled down to just the simple basics and the facts that there was zero paperwork ever presented that Dave was a confidential informant. There was zero proof that he ever got leniency on any of his charges and that uh, every agency testified that Dave never provided information or worked as as a CI. So I think it's just gonna come down to facts versus vendettas or rumors. And I think if you strip away who Dave is and look at the facts that there's, you're gonna see that there's zero proof of any inappropriate relationship. So um, all the all the guys that made, you know, jumped to conclusions or made where they thought they felt on this. I think it's time that we agree that facts, evidence and proof um, have spoken and that Dave's not and never was an informant.
0: All right, very good. Uh, Hollywood, your opening statement.
2: Welcome to the show Mooch and uh, let's get to the point. I wanted to go right down to some of what this case was about. One, it was about a motion to vacate the ruling from the 2018 trial. And within that motion, yes, little Dave did come up as a governmental informant. Now, I understand Mooch's point. There was no paperwork, but to... What The way I look at it is there's hundreds of paperwork, hundreds of pages of it out there during this trial. Some from his own attorney that actually came and defended him on American Cholo. He later came out and said, yes, this happened. He was meeting with them. And you got to remember what we're dealing with here as far as governmental agencies are concerned. It's the ATF, and those are the same people. And I'll read it from the final statement in the the defense's case. It would be nice to be able to trust and believe in the government in this case. However, this is an advantage brought to our uh, adventure, not an advantage, brought to us by the ATF. These are the same folks that brought you the Randy Weaver shootout, the Fast and Furious escapade, the Stash House cases in Dobbins verse U.S. The ATF was found in that case to be a corrupt organization and guilty of attempting to kill one of their own agents and burn down their house. When we're talking about confidential informants, there's two type of informants that the federal government has. One is the off record one, and the other is an off record one or an on record, off record, my fault, man. Uh meaning on record, where they're doing all these searches and stuff in the case. Mean that means he got paid. The other one means he was a source, a source for information. And you say to yourself, why? That's the question we're going to go through today, but I believe all the paperwork's there, from all kinds of witnesses, from Shacone to uh, little Dave with the tape, uh, to in the judge's ruin, but that one we have to go through when we get the paperwork.
0: All right, so um, there's uh, a few pieces of things that have to happen for that case to be overturned newly uh or just dis- new or newly discovered evidence failure or uh, you have to prove if you have new or newly discovered evidence you got to prove that failure to discover that evidence sooner was not due to lack of diligence or that new evidence was material to the trial uh if it is discovered and it was not cumulative or merely just impeaching or a new trial would probably result in acquittal so uh all of those things being relevant uh mooch do you believe that uh those things were proved in this trial.
1: No, I don't, and I, I honestly don't think that was the Mongols' point in this case. I know they were trying to get the the ruling overturned. I understand that, but as you can see from these briefs, when you go through it, their sole and only argument was based on the fact that they thought Dave was cooperating with law enforcement and that they, that they were at a disadvantage because he was sharing uh, information with from the you know from their side to the to the government side. Um, But I don't see that they thought that they weren't getting their information. I mean, if you read through the brief, they didn't touch on any of those topics. Their sole argument was about Dave being an informant or having an inappropriate relationship with the government.
0: Hollywood, do you believe those were were proved?
2: Actually, uh, no, because little Dave aside, and I said this weeks before the verdict came down, the Mongols kind of put their foot up their ass you had the Clarksville decision come out where six were convicted of murder Rico. you had that thing going down in Florida before this decision came out. The judge had no other choice because when it when they say that you have to prove there would be a different outcome in order to get a retrial. it would have actually been the opposite if the judge would uh, ruled in the mogul's favor. Because since 2018, there's been some hideous stuff out there. So there's no way the judge could impeach somebody that was a career law enforcement agent with what the new stuff was going on. So there was no way they were going to get another trial out of this.
0: So, uh, Mooch, your next point, please. Three minutes.
1: Yeah, well, I would like to say um, that... You know, I agree with you. And I I don't think I think they knew there wasn't going to be enough information. And that's how I think they hung their whole hat on this pin. Um, But, you know, as you spoke earlier, um, we're talking about the ATF here. But if you go through the paperwork, Annie, Little Dave, Ciccone, Cervantes, the ATF, Sergeant for the Montebello PD, uh, Los Angeles Sheriff's Department and even Long Beach Police Department all testified on behalf that David never provided information for those agencies. Um, yeah, and, you know, and that's about as clear cut as it gets in this point. Um, I agree that what you're saying that, you know, we don't trust the government and especially the ATF, but these are several different agencies testifying on behalf that David's never provided them with any information.
2: Hollywood, your next point, please. Oh, is he done? Or? He has three minutes.
1: I don't need it. <laughs>
2: oh, okay. Well, I have a hard time in that argument where the ATF, DEA, FBI come forward and say, well, we have no record of it. When we already discussed, there's two types of informants. One is a paid where they got to keep records. They got to keep the paperwork on them. So of course, if he was a paid informant, they would have found something, but if he was a source for information, there would be no record of that whatsoever. And I think the phone call really goes to the heart of this whole subject. One thing I've always believed is when you're screwed up, drunk, whatever, you tell the truth more than you would sober. And in that conversation, if any of us were in a position, because nobody is in clubs or any of that stuff, like that outside of the, it should have been the Mongol shit. But anyway, anybody looking at it from the outside would have been able to see through the lines, if you know what I mean, about the protection about and most specifically about his wife. There's no reason for I get it. You're an international president. But at the same time, there's no reason for an ATF agent to be talking to your old lady. And I think that's one point that was brought up. And I understand a scorn woman's uh deal and stuff, but at the same time, there was a lot of money behind this. So there's a lot of points within there when you're talking about all these agencies, they couldn't find anything, but we have to be honest in the fact there's two types of uh confidential informants, ones that are paid ones that are not.
0: Okay. uh Mooch, uh, Going to that, I don't point, want it,
2: uh, oh, okay. I thought somebody put something in the thing. Go ahead,
0: Mooch. Yeah. Going to the, to the point about uh, th- I suppose you would say the whole thing that started everything was this uh, this videotape. Uh, if
1: you don't know the circumstances around it, you know, even when I first heard the tape, you know, it, it, it's 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 not a good look. You know, I think everyone can agree to that, right? Um, you know, everything is based off of this tape, everything. Um, this whole te- this whole hearing was based off this tape. You know, Yanni said that that this tape was the smoking gun he needed to overturn this this hearing. Um, and then I think they just proved that that wasn't enough evidence. I, I agree. If you want to cherry pick some of those sentences and say you think it looks bad, it definitely there's these things in there that look bad, but there's also context to a lot of it that other people other than me, Dave's friends, and other people in the club know more about what he meant than what it was saying in there. Um, you know, the protection aspect and and a kiss came up in court was that Dave openly said that cone. Sacone had admitted that he was retiring and that someone potentially new could be taking over that might have a hard on for the club and go after the club. So he was saying that, you know, there's, there's no saying that that the new guy isn't going to come after us. And Sacone was kind of leaving everybody alone. Um, so I, I think that's very important as far as, you know, you saying that, uh, that Annie was talking to the ATF agent. It actually is in the paperwork that's the that Annie testified and Saccone testified that Annie had never been in communication with Sacone at any time whatsoever. Um, and I think that actually proves to my point that I don't think, you know, if he was a CI or there was this relationship with as involved as Annie is with with Dave and everything, she would have had some communication with with Saccone. Um So and then when you talk about, you know, things being motivated by money, I think the biggest motivation here is for the Mongols attorney to capitalize on this and take this to court in a case where um, Black Dragon stated and we all stated what it takes to overturn this ruling. And we knew those things weren't there from from jump. You know, you could tell that these things weren't there. So he, he took a, a one tape, videotape and took it to court saying he was going to get it overturned so he could string out this uh, this, this, this hearing. And, and I think it came down to, you know, if the difference between CIs. Why did we bring anyone to the testify? Why testify at all? If you think that these guys are going to say, yeah, he was a paid informant, but they're not going to say the difference. You know, the, the paperwork itself says informant. Sometimes it said paid, but it just said source of information at all. And they all testified to know.
0: So uh, During the trial uh, Hollywood, she said that uh, she did those things specifically to hurt him because she was upset. Uh, Do you not give any credence to that?
2: No, I don't give it. uh, I think she had so much to lose by actually recording them like she did. Like I said, there was a lot of money involved in this. We're talking about one of the big facets of this was embezzlement. The Mongols, after Dave left, were pulling in, and this is in the court stuff, over $120,000 a month. At the time of the RICO trial, he only claimed 40000 and I know the judge freaked out on all the lawyers when they heard the actual amount of money coming in. So we're looking at a big hunk of uh, money there, like, uh, I don't know, like $80,000 right there. So I couldn't see her putting herself in a position like that as she did because they had so much going for them, if you know what I mean, as far as money-wise is concerned. And this is what, you know, there's two things that come and why this case is the way it is. The first one, uh, I'm not going to talk on record. You guys are going to have to uh, go see that. Uh, One of their arguments they brought up. Uh, The second uh, one was embezzlement. As far as after he left, they finally knew what was going on with the money. Finally knew what was going on. And I'd have been worried too if I was him. I'd be like, oh, damn. Well, I wouldn't have done it. But uh, yeah, I need a way out of this because they're finally gonna find out what's going on with the money in there. but I don't believe that at all that she was uh, scorned because off record there was conversations and all that type of stuff but would I be with an old lady that did that to me hell freaking no man kicked it a curve. I don't care how much I love you you know she really did I think it should have been an internal type of thing man this should have never hit anywhere. this shouldn't have got to us. I agree with that. So, um, part of this
0: uh, is um, there, the um, idea that the uh, informant came, uh, the informant accusations came from uh, the accusation that there was leniency uh, put towards him during uh, uh, various um, uh, infractions against the law that he may have had. Uh, Mooch, what do you have to say about the idea that? Uh, he turned informant to protect himself from, from uh, some legal problems
1: he may have had. Yeah, I want to touch on two two things with that. I mean, really quick, you know, we're, we're, it seems we're jumping around from whether he's an informant to whether he stole money, and and the money thing's difficult because the only people that have the books are the club. So I know we can go off what was reported financially, but that's all we can go off of is what that one thing, and no one here can speak on what's in those books um some of us that have been in clubs or black dragon or one else knows that money comes in and money goes out for various different things so you know what money was there and what money isn't i think would only be proven by seeing the books and if, and if the club's not going to show the books then i don't think we can say that anybody was taking any money um it also shows stephen stubbs testified to this behalf in this paperwork that yanni was fabricating the money in the case that yanni actually you know produced uh fake bills and um and the amount of money that they had. So I think that goes to the money argument. So I don't think it's clear there that Dave took any money. Um, when it comes to the leniency, Dave brought all of the paperwork to court. He showed all of the, the outcomes to all of his hearings. Those same people that testified he wasn't an informant testified he got zero leniency and he brought proof that she paid his bail. He wasn't released. And they showed the outcomes in which he was given probation. You got to move
2: up. I can't hear you that good. You
1: He's got to move he, up. He,
2: there you go.
1: he was put on probation. He's and, uh, has criminal record now, and it shows that he wasn't the paperwork shows that there was no leniency involved. So it sounds to me that was another conspiracy theory that was proven wrong in court.
0: Hollywood, what do you have to say about that?
1: Well, you know, you have
2: to go back in time on a question like that. Uh, for example, little Dave, you know, and this is in the transcript of the brief, uh brief, he came into the club in 1997. And it goes on to say in around about 1999, he was convicted of a federal felony unrelated to club activities and went to prison for wire and uh, mail fraud charges, which could have netted him 20 years in prison. Now, he didn't take it to trial. He reached a plea deal. And a result, he ended up only doing less than uh, one year. At Club Fed uh, Lompoc, uh, f- what is it, Federal Correction Facility here? And they wouldn't release during the trial because the Mongols were looking for discovery. They were looking for all this paperwork. The government wouldn't provide it so they can see what was going on there. And upon his release, he affiliated again. And then there was a. Deal where he was busted with a firearm, a felon with a firearm. And if everybody knows a felon with a firearm, you get busted, you're doing time no matter what. You know, you got people on uh, the East Coast, very, you know, famous, if you will, uh, national vice president doing uh, two years right now for that uh, gun charge. So it was around that time. And it's set it in the paperwork around 2005 when they started uh, forming the relationship. So, yeah, I do believe that there's some incidences that would give anybody pause. You know, you're only doing under a year and you get hit with the mail fraud charges that can net you 20. I- and the government wouldn't give up that paperwork. All right, go ahead and respond, Moot.
1: Yeah, you know, I think we can go down this, this rabbit hole of conspiracy theories all day long, but without the paperwork on, on the sentencing guidelines, it can go either way, right? But the fact of the matter is, there's zero proof that it ever happened, that there was ever leniency. If, if you say, being in the club after two years, you think he was already informing and got this big lenient sentence, well, who, what did he inform on? Who got in trouble? Who went to jail? This was, we're talking many, many years ago. Um, you know, I've been to jail and took a, uh, uh, you know, took a case all the way to trial and got a lenient sentence. And I know for a fact I didn't cooperate. And I know this happens all the time in the criminal justice system. So if we can't just look at someone's sentence and say their sentence justifies the fact that they were informant. As far as the gun charge, it was actually proven that he didn't have a gun and that's why he didn't con- get convicted of it. So there's paperwork on these things. And, and I think we can look at the headlines and make assumptions. But if we actually dig into it, we can't find any proof. It all comes down to proof and there's zero evidence that he
2: ever cooperated a uh, moderators MJ. I know you're trying to, I don't want that organization talked about in uh, this stuff. So you can remove it or whatever MJ it is guys. Go ahead. We're not so talking about them.
0: Hollywood. What's your next point? you got three minutes.
2: Oh, we're not going on. That. Okay. <laughs> He's moving us along, man. You should uh, do a presidential debate, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would,
0: yeah, that'd be good.
2: Go on. Exhibit, uh, you know, going towards that, uh, in Exhibit 17, Mr. Chico- uh, Sasone stated in his testimony that the nature of his relationship with uh, Little Dave, but they use his last name, I can never bring it up good enough, was such that Little Dave may have been paid money or became an informant, but, but he didn't recall And then uh, it goes and says, and that was coming from the ATF agent. Uh, Dave's departure from the Mongols uh, had been in December 2021 with known and admitted ATF uh, deputized officer, Christopher Cervantes, which everybody's seen that picture with him sitting at the bar and stuff like that, or bowling alley. And that's where it gets really confusing is why would you you know you know all this is going on you know you've been on all these shows why would you want to go have a uh what uh he was there at the bowling alley so we had to be cordially to each other i i can't see that why even put yourself in a position where you're gonna get caught in a photo
0: so uh mooch let's uh talk about this a little bit uh the the uh, alleged uh, relationship with Chacon, um it is said that he uh, met with him on several occasions um, to uh, pass information or whatever the case may be. Uh, what do you have to, to speak uh, on towards that that accusation?
1: Yeah, on both of those. On the Cervantes thing, I think we can agree that photo wasn't a good look. Um, but again, we're just looking at the headline and we're not looking at, at the facts. Cervantes had retired from law enforcement many years ago. Many years ago, um, you know, it's a conspiracy theory that he was Dave's handler and he wasn't even working in law enforcement at the time when they were claiming he was a handler. So, you know, it goes to prove that someone someone took saw a picture and is jumping to conclusions yet again. Can it fit the narrative? Of course it can. But where's the proof? He wasn't even working in law enforcement at the time. He wasn't in law enforcement at the time that they're claiming Dave was an informant. As far as um, his relationship with Saccone, it's all over this document that even the Mongols own attorney or own witness. Uh, Bowtie Stubbs testified, yeah, he seen Dave talk to uh, Cervantes but or Saccone, but he said every time he had Mongols with him. When the Mongol testified on behalf of the, the nation in that in the hearing, he also said, yeah, I've seen Dave talk to Ciccone. but he also admitted that he always had Mongols with him. And he testified that every time Dave talked to Ciccone, he had Mongols with him. And Dave testified that every time he talked to Ciccone, he had Mongols with him. And to wrap it up, Saccone testified that every single time he talked to Dave, there was members of the Mongols with him. So there is zero proof or evidence that Dave ever talked to Sakone by himself without people there to witness.
2: Well, also also in the initial testimony of Stubbs, he brought out the fact that he was, and this is, again, uh, the guy who defended him on American Cholo. He brought up the fact in that testimony it might not be in the argument, but it is in the testimony that Dave admitted to meeting with Sison every morning at Starbucks. And later on in that, a juror actually seen that, and they were brought into private quarters to, say, knock it off. But at the same time, it was in 2013 uh, the 2015, the AT because they were getting prepared to do this Rico trial. It was told to knock off what you were doing, and that came from the ATF bosses, the zone, knock it off. Whatever relationship you got going, and it can't happen. But he didn't listen. It kept up, it kept on going. And as far as Cervantes is concerned, if that's all true, why meet with them? Why sit there, have a beer with them? the whole nine yards that's where I'm getting a little confused here because they they did tell John to knock off whatever relationship he had and that was in there and with Stubbs bow tie, he even said during testimony that he was meeting with uh Dave told him yeah I'm meeting with John that was in testimony from Stubbs
1: yeah, and, and you know, like I said, the, the Cervantes thing I don't think was a good look, but at the time, they, he was retired, Dave was retired, they were in the same place at the same time, and for whatever reason, Dave decided to, to share a beer with him. But it, again, we go back to the facts and proof, and that doesn't prove anything other than a lapse in judgment on who he was keeping company with that one day at the bowling alley. Um, you know, and, and as far as Stubbs' testimony, it's not in the brief. Um, it came out and was the only, if we, again, stick with the facts, it was only proven that Dave was seen with Sacone one time at the coffee shop. So we can say it was a bunch. We could assume it was a bunch. But as far as facts, it was one time. And after it was reported at that one time, that's when then Sacone's boss talked to him. That's when Dave said he wasn't going to meet with them or see him. It was a chance encounter at the coffee shop of two two guys saying what's up and a head nod. That's the proof we have, period.
2: Well, the proof was in the, the- – Testimony itself, yeah, we know it's not in this, but we can go over that in a different show. But Stubbs did testify in court that Dave did tell him he was meeting with him every day. But the bigger question that I have though is this why didn't he want Sassoon on the stand? That is, you know, what that's always ear, it's always nagged at my mind of why he didn't want him on that stand. He even threatened his own attorneys putting them on the stand. It made no sense to me because I would think you want to tear their head off or let's, let's, get that ass. Let's
0: go to that. Um, yeah. There was um, uh, some accusations that the attorneys uh, were that several people were not allowed to be called onto the stand. So uh, uh, you brought that up, uh,
2: uh, Hollywood. Talk about that. No, I'm going to let Mooch respond. It's his turn. Go ahead, Mooch.
1: Yeah, I think that's an easy one. First of all, he was Sicone never got taken off the witness list, so Yanni could have called him at any time. You know, you you can ask the the councils. You know, the, the you can ask the the nation's opinion on it. You could ask Dave's opinion, but at the end of the day, Yanni had to, had the full opportunity to call him. But Dave's point was, and he testified on this behalf was, well, look at the paperwork here on this hearing. How did Yanni do? when he was cross examining people he had personal beef with how did he look he was argumentative he was unprofessional he was rude and he intentionally told Dave in the paper and he in the paperwork that he was going to rip off Saccone's head and shit down his throat on the witness stand he was going to badger and belittle Saccone on the witness stand and Dave openly admitted and said that he believed that that was going to be a bad tactic that that as you guys all said in the beginning, there was a plenty of evidence already produced to show that some bad things the Mongols had done, and he didn't think it was a good look to get up there and and badger the last witness of the case and start an argument for no reason where it really wasn't relevant to the case. What do you want to argue the point about Laughlin? There was plenty of things outside of Laughlin that were going to, that were threatening that Rico trial. So I think at the end of the day, it was decided it wasn't relevant or important. And I think we could see from this paperwork that Yanni would not have handled it professionally, and so there was no reason to call him to the stand. I think that one's actually pretty pretty easy one to explain. And if you look at it from a legal standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to me.
2: Hollywood? It, it might make a, a sense internally, but at the same time, that's why the club hired that lawyer was to get out there and win the case for the club. And sure, they he was still on the witness list, but as... Stubbs and a uh, Yanni test. Well, Yanni didn't, but he asked Stubbs about it. When you're threatened, and he's the current international president of the Mongols, not to call Sison to the stand. And he even went out and said, Well, we had a vote with the mother chapter. Well, Stubbs already said that never happened. So it was really with little Dave, his decision to keep Sison off that stand. And of course, and a lawyer is going to want to tear them up. They're going to want to get them on cross-examination because they're there wanting to protect their clients. They want to win that case. And it was kind of like they winged the defense by not putting Sassone on that stand. And another thing that came as far as the stand's concern was little Dave. He didn't want to take the stand in the trial because... He didn't want to open himself up or he didn't want to open the club up to any kind of stuff that was happening that they weren't caught up doing. He didn't want to open everybody up. But at the same time, you got to sit back and say, well, wait a second. He didn't want to testify to help the club at the original 2018 trial, but he came and testified at the motion to vacate. That's where I'm confused here.
1: I think I think that's an easy one to argue. A, he didn't testify because there's club rules that that club members do not testify at court. I think you have a very valid point on that he also didn't testify cuz it could have opened him up to other stuff. And in this second one, I don't think it's I mean we're going apples to oranges here. The second one he was testifying on his own personal behalf as a as a as an as a civilian. He's no longer a club member and he was no longer bound by club rules. So he could testify if he wanted to. And on top of that, there was a pretty big personal invested interest in this one was testifying to show that he's to prove and vindicate himself for not being an informant. So I think there was both personal reasons behind it. And I think it was this way. He wasn't violating any club rules by doing it. Um, You know, and as far as the saying that, that it winged the defense, I I don't know what anyone thinks that having Sicone on the stand would have done for this Rico case at all. I, I, you know, like I said, the only thing that was going to argue.
2: It could have impeached his credibility.
1: Potentially, but the only thing he was going to argue was going to be Laughlin. And there was way too many other incidents outside of Laughlin to be relevant to this racketeering trial. So I, I know we could both agree or disagree on what we thought he was going to do. But at the end of the day, it was decided. And, and, and when I say decided, here's the other thing. There's no way Stubbs could tell you whether it was voted on by Mother Chapter or not. Because we all know that have been in this club world that what happens in that room stays in that room. So that's going to be someone's word against someone else's word. And we can't report that for fact either. Um, so yeah, we're saying that, that he chose not to call him. And I think there's plenty of evidence to show why he didn't, and we can agree if that was the right move or not, but it definitely doesn't point towards informant to me it points towards a leader, making, making a decision in the moment that he thought was the right move for the club.
2: Well, to get to you or- your point about the meeting, Stubbs actually testified that they went out into the hallway and had a vote on that. And that was later confirmed not to be the case.
1: Okay. And I mean, that's different than saying that we had beating with mother chapter. So I was, you know, maybe I'm, I'm confused there, but I, my point still stands of the fact that I think he made a, he made a judgment call and he thought what was going to be helpful and beneficial to the case. And maybe it was, or maybe it wasn't, but I don't think it speaks to the fact of any sort of uh, favoritism or him trying to protect anybody. And, I, and that's the same with him going to the stand. I think in fact, he was just following club rules by not taking the stand.
2: But don't you think those club rules should have still applied, you know, he was an international president, regardless of who's going after him, saying this, saying whatever, whatever they are saying about him, you still would think, hey, you're going to put me on the stand and you could open me up or bring more allegations against the club by going ahead and testifying.
1: Well, I think the first time he was risking the whole club, like you said, potential new indictments for the whole club the second time he weighed the risk and the risk was him personal anything he brought up was going to be attacked to him personal so he to me i would assume he weighed the risks and he decided it was the, at this point it was going to be personal so he he personally took the stand as a civilian you know there was actually a full patch mongol that took the stand of that court in this last hearing too which goes against club rules so i mean we can kind of argue it either ways but i think the first time he had to think of what was best for the nation and the second time was what was best for dave
2: mhm Oh, I can see that point. I can see that. You you know, at that point, you do have to see what's best for yourself. But if you uphold the oath of the club, no matter what, keeping your word is the biggest thing right there and not bringing more attention onto the club. And I think, trial aside, I have to ask myself, why did you go out there so hardcore on – American Cholo, my show and other shows to just say, Hey, I'm innocent. Why not handle it within the club? Why did he have, because we all know it made not only this club look bad, but it made everybody look bad.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I can't speak to why he decided to do that, but I will say this when someone public here's what I said in my opening statement, that video should have stayed within the club. The fact that it got out to the public and shared on the internet um, you know, my belief would be that he felt like he had to defend himself. His name was getting smutted and people were saying he was a, a, a CI and a rat and he felt the need to to defend himself. And since that video was shared on a public platform, he defended himself on a public, public platform. You now, we can all, you know, say whether we agree or disagree with his decision. And was that bringing club business to the uh, out to the world? Well, sure. But it was in defense of club business that was already shared. Um, and then, you know, bringing it to court open it up to the whole world. Now it's no longer, you know, some of it's club business, but the, the the argument itself is no longer club business because it's been shared to the media. We're talking about it. Other podcasts are talking about it. So I think it really, you really got to look at this in the perspective of this is a well-known man that was being smutted and he did his best to defend himself. Whether we agree with how he did it or not, I don't think is relevant. I think he, what he did is, it was a, you know, a public smear campaign and he went to the public to try and defend himself. And I don't fault the man for that.
0: Go ahead, you're right? Hollywood anything okay so um, moving on mooch going through your brief uh, what's your next point
1: I mean honestly those are those are my main points um yeah those, those are my, my main points from the brief is you know I just really wanted to talk about the, the facts versus the hearsay and the rumors and I think the facts speak for themselves in this brief I, I really do hope that you know a lot of people want to speak on behalf of this case um, but outside of the few of us in this like Hollywood and us haven't really read the full paperwork. You could read the headlines of these news articles. You could read into the pictures or the, or the, you know, just the clips, but you really need to read the facts and see what's really going on here because we all have an opinions about it, but the facts speak for themselves. Someone was labeled a rat without any paperwork or proof, and there's still no paperwork or proof. And it's looking that it wasn't a rat.
0: So um, what do you, Mooch, I'll ask you this question. What do you uh, uh, give towards the accusation that the orders he gave were to torpedo the uh, the 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 club uh, in terms of um, uh, keeping people from speaking and testifying and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I spoke to that in the fact of saying that I think he had the club's best interest in mind, and he thought that Yanni wasn't going to do the club justice, and he didn't see the point in badgering Saccone on the witness stand over one issue, um, and he did what was best for the For the trial, as far as trying to torpedo the club, this is the same guy that started the Save the Patch movement that fought really hard, um, you know, for a lot of clubs and for the COC and NCOM in this case, you know, he took a lot of, he he put on a lot of weight on his shoulders to try and hit this initial, initial Rico trick case. Um, he was the attorney, you know, he was the acting president through all of these hearings. And he was he was at every single hearing, every single trial. And he did his best for this for the nation at the time. And I don't believe he tried to torpedo or change anything. I think he worked his ass off to actually try and do what was best and get the best possible outcome he could in this situation.
0: Hollywood, anything uh, in response to that?
2: Well, again, as far as paperwork concerned, there's hundreds of pages of paperwork, testimony, uh, some stuff we haven't brought up on this program that we're not going to bring bringing up. But go look at the records. You can get the link in the description box of all the testimony. Now, it was interesting with Stubbs. That's one thing that caught me because he was on there saying, no, he's not this. He's not that until he learned of some of the shenanigans that were going on when he had control of the club. And then he did a complete 380 on the stand, which was like, wow. And a question I do have, maybe you can answer it, uh, Mooch. You're an international president. Say in a fictitious club. And you're seeing this play out on the Internet. You're seeing this play out in court. Would you and this might be a different club that you're looking at. Would you trust that
1: person if
2: you're being honest?
1: I'm not sure I understand the question. What Which person are we trying to trust?
2: OK, you got a, uh, another club's guy just got busted or this happened to them. Like what happened to little Dave? OK, would you have pause dealing with that person?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, on surface level, like we've been saying this whole time, if we were taking just the headline of this case, it's concerning. But when we, when we actually look into it, if, if I had to deal with someone doing like that, I would do the same thing we're doing now. I would do my homework. I would do my research. And I would form my own conclusion based off of what I believe are the facts of this case. Um, you know, I, I think we can all have different conspiracy theories. And, and we can kind of look at p- bits and pieces to form our own judgment or back our own theories. But we have to look at it collectively as a whole and say, is there enough evidence to prove it? Sure, like you said, there's a lot of different paperwork as far as the transcripts and what someone said this and someone said that. But as far as collective evidence that can prove without a shadow of a doubt that the man ever cooperated with law enforcement, I just it's not there. And the whole reason I bring that back is because those are the exact same rules we use in prison, on the street, and anywhere else. And and if we're not going to follow those rules, we're opening up a huge rabbit hole where we can start calling every international P in this this world an informant. Or any member of any club. So it's like, where do we where do we set the boundaries? Where where do we draw the line on this?
2: Well, then I, what I would say is because you brought up the judge said, hey, he was, and uh, this will come out in our next show. The judge actually said there wasn't significant evidence, significant. So he left open the possibility, yeah, this could happen. And he, you know, everybody's read the Times article where he said. The relationship stunk. And I think we have to, you know, bring that into effect when you talk about the ATF, because everything they do stinks, especially when they go after clubs, everything they do is, you know, off the books, you know, there's, you know, the fast and furious getting one of their, you know, getting an officer killed. So it doesn't surprise me that they would be fighting because you got to say, what does the government have to lose in this case? They have a half a million dollar fine to lose. And they have a RICO case that right now is at the Ninth Circuit of Appeals that they're hoping to get to the Supreme Court because of the case law. We lost you.
1: froze
0: on us how does he freeze when he's the one that's hosting it there, we got him you there?
1: yeah what the you froze happened?
2: you froze what the hell happened you froze okay anyway. is what it is I guess we got uh, people watching <laughs> I guess they don't like me talking about the ATF too much uh, but I think the government had a lot to lose I think the US District attorney had a lot to lose they weren't forthcoming with all the paperwork and all the uh discovery that the the club wanted to do they just weren't open and i think with the judge saying significant uh evidence and that the relationship stunk really says a lot about the position he was in because there's no way he would be able to go to his little cocktail dinners and say, yeah, I gave a motion for retrial after six guys got busted in uh, Clarksville, Enrico, and in Florida for that, I I just don't see it. And I think a lot of it stinks, if you ask me. And hopefully they'll get by this because the club's damaged, and so is a lot of thinking within the club world as far as other clubs.
1: This whole thing was a black eye to the whole club world and I don't just mean Dave I mean the fact that club business is being talked about so publicly and that internal beefs are being pushed nationally and on the internet and everywhere else and things that should have been kept in house that is giving the whole club scene a black eye I and mean, it's not just this one club doing it um other clubs mm-hmm. have done it since so I I will agree with you there um you know my, my, my and
2: main I'm really hoping, hoping that they move on you know hope so hopefully they move on and you know Everybody's left alone. As far as you know, you got people out there, you know, that want to go after him. Leave him alone. Let him live his fucking life and move on. That's where I'm thinking.
1: But you also bring out- uh,
0: You were saying the main, your main thing. You were saying when you got cut off there, mooch. You were saying yeah. your main point was what?
1: My home. My main point this whole time is that you know this is just a big general conspiracy theory, and you keep bringing up these theories, right? Theories that the judge is doing this or theories, the government's going to do that. And I'm not going to disagree that we can't trust the federal government. And I'm not going to say that I'm siding with the, with the ATF or the federal government. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is there's facts of the case versus conspiracy theories. And I think these people that have theories are cherry picking what they want to out of this, out of this paperwork to make it so they can believe that Dave was an informant. And all I'm saying is, and I am saying this through a lens of Dave's friend, but I'm also saying is from a person, an educated background that there is zero facts or evidence to prove that. And I think that's why the ruling came down the way it did at the end of the day, that I think it's that clear cut. Um, and when you say, you know, we hope Dave can get on with his life and these people can get on with their lives. The issue is, and the reason I'm here to even have this conversation with you is when we get on air and call someone an informant or a rat, we put them at sa- we put their risk, their personal safety at risk, their family at risk, people on the street, other organizations could or could not do certain things based off of that jacket. And so you know, just letting, letting it go and say bygones, be bygones. Let's hope everybody leaves us alone is one thing, but actually clearing the man's name so that he no longer has to have a wrap jacket on him when it's not deserved or there's no proof of it is a different uh, ball of wax. And I think that's where we're at now is trying to clear a man's name.
2: I don't think uh, that his name can be cleared. There's too many uh, coincidences. You, you say it, it hasn't been proven, but throughout the testimony, uh, The judge uh, came out and said he didn't trust Dave's or Annie's testimony uh, because I looked through those trial transcripts 100%. Uh, But I can't, I I don't think you can clear it. Say what? What was the question you asked, Mooch?
1: Do we have the transcripts? Because I know you're speaking on that behalf, but we all said we weren't going to just say what was in the media. Now, the only thing I've read about the ruling is what's been in the media. So I haven't read the transcripts right now. Yeah, I
2: I can get you the Well, We can go over that in the second show. That was my bad, man.
1: Yeah. All right. I, I, so, I don't want to jump to those conclusions yet about what the judge had to say in the judge's ruling um, before we've gotten there because I haven't. Are, I,
2: the, are the transcripts even out yet? Not for. Uh, they're still sealed. Right. Okay.
0: So um, at this point, gentlemen, uh, it's time for closing uh, summations. Uh, unless you have uh, any further points, you have any further points, Hollywood? That you wanted to make? No, I thought that was closing. <laughs> <laughs> Mooch, any further points you want to
2: make? Hey, you know, like I said, nobody's going to be able to change everybody's mind. We're going to look at it from a different angle. We're going to see it from a different angle. Uh, It's either if you're going to go with the defense or the government's, you know, thinking. So that's what it comes down to. I think the second show is going to be the decision on where we really can get into the weeds. Because all we're doing is uh, talking about the arguments on both sides
0: the briefs yes okay well gentlemen um i believe that uh that's it for the night hollywood take over this is your show
2: well now that little dave's uh stuff is uh passed and stuff like that uh we have to congratulate mooch man we have to we got back in the ring come on you got to tell us about the journey man we got to lighten some stuff up
1: yeah, so, uh, you know, I got into jujitsu back in 2017. And in 2019, I got. did diagnosed- you
0: break your neck or something?
1: Well, I got diagnosed with a pretty rare disease called OPLL, where the ligament in my neck calcified, turned to bones, was essentially just crushing everything in there. And so um, I had to go in there and have a decompression and fusion, and they fused a C3 through T1. So pretty much my entire neck has two big rods on it, screws. And they said, you know, no more lifting weights, no more riding motorcycles, and no more jujitsu. And I'm proud to say three years later, I'm officially doing all of that now. Um, I just, you know, I rode my motorcycle from Illinois to Oregon and back this summer. And then this weekend, I did my very first uh, jujitsu tournament back on the mat um, since the injury. Um, You know, I I didn't I lost by points, but it was a a moral victory for me that I got out there on the mat, fought the whole time. I didn't quit. And and actually, you know, I felt like I did pretty well. So um, back to it, man, you know, back to that lift, train, lift, train, ride lifestyle that we talk about and just trying to keep everything positive and moving forward.
0: Are you, uh, can, can you get like uh, paralyzed or something like that? Or, you know, what did they tell you? What, what made you crazy enough to get your ass back in the ring? I'm just yeah, trying I mean, to.
1: There's definitely some risks if the fusion were to snap or break because everything's going to kind of jam into my spinal cord. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the fear, right? But um, I've been training really hard and noticing that I can put myself in a lot of positions that limit the risk to my neck. Um, And then, you know, the thing with with uh, submission grappling is that when you're put in a bad position, you could always tap out. So the biggest battle has been with my ego and knowing that if I'm out there and being competitive, that if I'm put in danger, I just would rather take the tap than get injured. So, um, you know, and and that was one of those moral victories this weekend is, is, you know, really making sure I have my ego in check and control. And I'm going out there to prove something to myself and have fun. But I'm not going to put myself at major risk of ever having to redo that surgery again or paralysis or anything else.
0: But you didn't tap. You just lost it with points. You yeah, lost yeah,
1: points. But, but I don't think I was – I mean, I, I was in some rough positions, but nothing I thought was going to make – it was going to injure my neck, so.
0: Really I don't
1: cool. know. That scared the shit out of me.
2: <laughs> That's really cool. Well, this yeah. is Monday with Mooch, man. Uh, you doing every what, Mondays?
1: Uh, yeah, not quite every Monday, but I I try and get stuff out close to every Monday and, you know, varying topics from the biker world to jujitsu to, uh, you know, anything, punk rock, all sorts of fun stuff. So just more stuff about my life or my take and topics on things.
2: Rock on. Hey, I'll close her out and, uh, I'll see you guys in the backstage. All right. Okay, man, that was, uh, the first of the second show right there. Uh, two sides of the story coming out of this little Dave thing. That way everybody can see all angles of it. Really good show. I really appreciate having Mooch on, uh, black dragon as the moderator of, you know, hopefully, you know, people can see all, you know, like I said, it's, uh, in the description box, you just see what me and Mooch was going off of. You can also see trial transcripts, the whole nine yards. Uh, so it's, you know what it really ain't up to us to make up our mind it's uh for the valve but uh hopefully you got something by getting both sides and not just seeing one point of view man because that's what it's supposed to be about uh seeing two sides of the story but uh, i'll catch you guys later and i'll let you know when the second show is going to be coming on